the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 409. I'm Paul Spain and with me today is Lance Wiggs. Kurokoto, how is everybody? Um, I hope you're listening to this on a beautiful New Zealand day, as it is right here in Auckland. It is. It's uh, it's been a, a lovely day, um, Lance. Maybe you can. What is it? Your first time on the New Zealand Tech Podcast? Actually, we've I don't had think you on so. the New Zealand Business Podcast. I've, Have we had you on the New Zealand Tech Podcast? I have no idea. My, my memory's a bit vague. When you get to this many number of episodes, it goes a bit hazy uh, at times. But maybe you can at least remind listeners where you fit into this world of tech and startups and um, you know funding and the like. Sure. Right now, we <laughs> well, most of my time is spent running Punakaki Fund uh, with uh, three other people. Uh, we invest in high-growth companies. I'm a director of 11 of them. Uh, some of them are pretty well-known to uh, many folks. Uh, I am. Uh, I also help a lot of other companies uh, through uh, over the years uh, directly uh, and uh, indirectly via NZTE uh, or directly through NZTE as a, as a sort of a client-finding mechanism. Uh, and then right back in the day when I first came back to New Zealand in 2003, I helped uh, snow.co.nz and uh, surf.co.nz and artscalendar.co.nz and a few others like that, and then moved on to Trade Me, helped them understand what they were worth, and uh, and then sort of have been embedded off and on in New Zealand uh, since then, I guess. Great. Well, always good to catch up, Lance, so thanks for uh, for joining joining the show. Likewise. Um, well, first of all, just wanted to go through a few of the the, the, um, the sort of headlines without diving in uh, too deep because there's just so much going on in the tech world you know, now, as always. Um, some of these things are you know, quite relevant to New Zealand, uh, and then we'll jump into some other topics in a little bit more detail and get an update from you on uh, what's happening in the world of Punakaiki uh, Fund. All good. Uh, so ANZ have launched uh, Google Pay in New Zealand. I think that was probably a couple of weeks or so uh, back back now. Uh, but for those that you know haven't haven't uh, caught that and they've got an ANZ uh, uh, credit card, that may be interested in um, you know firing that up on there if they've got an Android uh, device. Is that the first Google Pay player in New Zealand? Oh, that's a, that's a good uh, that's a good question. I th- hmm, I think not, but. Uh, as I've done most, I, I mean, I've played around with all these sort of payment things for so many, so many years, uh, in, in varying forms in terms of NFC payments on on devices. Um, now that it's landed, I can't remember all the you know what all the bits and pieces are uh, in terms of exactly you know who's doing what. And of course, you've got Samsung Pay, uh, you've got Apple Pay as well. And so, um, and, and ANZ it's interesting because they've also got uh, Apple Pay um, support, so they're kind. Of, uh, they've obviously been re- reasonably uh, happy uh, because there's an increased you know cost for putting these uh, these mechanisms in place, and they've decided it's uh, it's worth moving moving forward. Yeah, I find it an easy 14 step process on my Apple <laughs> phone um, with a Face ID <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> with multiple cards on it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's good to see, to see some progress and get us somewhat closer to the United States. Yeah, I mean, we we just have that challenge in, in New Zealand where you know a lot of retailers aren't uh, aren't geared up for sort of these you know tap to pay type payments. So, but we're being uh, a bit hard on ourselves fragmented. too. We're miles ahead of the states in, in, in payments per se, right? And have been for years. Yes, so there's uh, there's a few challenges in the way that the US uh, the US does things as far as uh, money's concerned. As far as a lot of things are concerned, I think. <laughs> 
Um, the Google Pixel 3 uh, about to launch, although it just seems as though everything's kind of uh, leaked, leaked online for uh, uh, for that already. No, obviously not, you know, nothing uh, quite official there from a New Zealand perspective. I think you can, uh, if you've got enough cash, you can walk into a store in Hong Kong uh, and buy one uh, already. Um, something not quite right there in that distribution processes for that to happen ahead of, uh, ahead of launch. You've got to scratch your head a little bit around uh, what, what's going on there. Uh, but, you know, if you're uh, very keen to get your hands on first and you happen to be in Hong Kong, then a uh, little opportunity, I suppose. Do you think it's desirable? Um, what the device or yeah. does it look nice? <laughs> look, I mean, I, I think um, you know Google. Google are launching, uh, you know, generally launching good devices. The um, you know the the Pixel has been known for you know really really great uh, photography, and I guess that's you know that will be you know continue to be uh, you know one of the standouts. In terms of how it looks, is you know somewhat in the eye of the beholder. I would say you know Google's devices haven't necessarily been the the best looking of what you know what we've seen in the market. But in general, the bar has moved up, right? It's you know we we get sent so many different devices that are you know coming out for launch, and you know whether it's something like a five hundred dollar device from Huawei or it's a top end iPhone, um, you know across most of that range. It, Generally, we we're getting you know nice nice looking uh, nice looking devices, which all look like bars anyway. So <laughs> I mean, they all look the same these days, and it's all edge to edge screen and 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 glossy and yeah, metal and glass, right? So yeah. And, so then uh, it comes down to who who do you want on your phone, I guess, and how much money do you have? That's right. That's right. And um, you know, look, I think mo- most of the choices are, are pretty good. Yeah. You know, even yeah. even at the um yeah, you know, even at the at the lower end you get you get pretty good bang for, for your buck and then but, yeah. but why do we still call them phones? I mean they're they're pretty fully capable computers, right? They are. And or multifunction devices. Or well, we tend to simplify yeah. things. So we had mm. you know smartphone when they were you know a phone and a bit of smarts. And uh, do you drop the phone or do you drop the smart? And it's you know it's, yeah. <laughs> smart on its own probably doesn't mean too much. We've just gone back to you know phone that thing. Yeah. You, well, we you, could, you keep we, in your pocket. We could get by with just a phone these days, and, and maybe an and, and some people do. We had um, had some broadcasters in the studio here just just a few days ago. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll call him out. Tom Hyde, the host of the uh, Global Golf uh, uh, podcast that he does with Brendan Telfer. And, uh, yeah, we just launched it a couple of weeks ago. So any golf listeners out there, then uh, Tom comes in with a, non, uh, a non-smartphone. Um, and, and, look, it, uh, it works for him. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't get bothered by his emails and all of those sorts of things. And, uh, look, if you can operate like that and, uh, and make your life work, that's... Uh, it's it's kind of nice. Then if you can't, I guess is the next item on the list. Um, HP's new uh, new Chromebook is uh, is yeah is also there. Looks uh, looks looks pretty uh, pretty slick. Um, I'm looking at the uh, the X uh, X360 14, 14 inch. Uh, they're just launching in the US. Retail price around six hundred. So I guess we'll say, yeah, probably eleven hundred here in New Zealand. Um, this is kind of interesting. We're, we're just really starting to see 
more Chromebooks that are that are actually quite desirable uh, looking devices, and uh, this one from HP sort of certainly lands in that space. And we're we're also seeing, um, you know, I guess Chrome uh, starting to be a, a, an operating system that we see on tablets as well. So you know, obviously getting more capable as a uh, as an operating system for touchscreen devices, and that ability to be able to run. Uh, you know, and Android apps on um, on Chrome obviously you know plays into plays into that equation. Won't catch me using one, but <laughs> it's it's good to see that there's a that's a lot of technology for a pretty small price. I mean, it's still a lot of money for most people, but it's still a lot cheaper than yeah. And and you know, look, a, a lot of these things are going into you know the higher end devices tend to get you know more utilised for you know productivity for doing real work on. And you know, when you're getting work done, you can justify you know, putting a bit of money into into technology that's going to help you uh, be productive and you know not not slow you down and the like. Um, on that front of, of speed and things speeding up, uh, Intel have announced overnight their uh, their next generation um, you know core CPUs and ninth, ninth gen uh, chips. As usual, they're getting a bit faster. They're still having some issues with uh, this miniaturisation that uh, that they're trying to trying to uh, do to uh, to shrink down the the die on their uh, on their chips, and that's that's uh, uh, been something of a challenge for them, I think, to get the the consistency as they uh, as they sh- you know shrink the the chips down. Um, so that's something that's ongoing, and it seems like next year maybe will be their their year to shrink down to their uh, ten nanometer uh, die. Um, you know, mean, meanwhile we're uh, uh, you know we're seeing those sort of smaller chips uh, you know come through from uh, from from others. So they're um, you know they've gone from that position of absolutely leading the way as far as uh, processors to now where they're starting to fall back. I noticed. Um, uh, you know, a- AMD, who you know, they had a little bit of a, a period there going back. Hmm, trying to think how many years ago, probably you know, ten or fifteen years ago, where they were dominating uh, Intel for a while on a you know on a performance and and uh, uh, power front. And then you know, Intel really came back and uh, and knocked them back. And uh, at that stage, I'd been sucked in and decided, oh, this is a good time to buy some AMD shares. They're really doing well, and then they completely collapsed when uh, <laughs> Intel got their uh, got their game back. Um, well, my biggest screw up was buying a Pentium Pro, which was a <laughs> it was a dead end technology at the time. Yeah, um, but yeah, they're, they're promising ten nanometer, um, but not until twenty nineteen. And Apple's already delivering eleven with the. Uh, with the iPhone chip that's on the latest iPhones, yeah, I mean we've seen a bit of stuff. I think even we start the you know there's um, you know seven is now sort of you know in the, the wings, one. right? So, um, but I mean Intel were, were usually you know making that change and shrinking it down every couple of years, and you know now they've been on the fourteen nanometer uh, you know tech for uh, what is it you know four or five years, so mm. it kind of really got uh, got got held up a bit. Which is is curious. Uh, Microsoft have uh, made an announcement around uh, Project X Cloud, uh, which is basically bringing Xbox games to you know any devices anywhere as long as you've got uh, you know reasonably fast internet connection. So that could be you know four G LTE mobile. So being able to play basically stream games over the net, uh, all the processing power will be within there server farms and you know we've seen a little bit of this uh, stuff already going on from uh, you know Google announcement recently uh, Sony and 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 others and it's certainly been talked about for a long time 
and so you know it's going to be kind of curious to see how this you know looks when it when it lands in a in a year's time. Uh, but uh, you know, as more and more stuff moves to the to the cloud, you know, I always hear comments from people going, "Oh, we're going back to the old days of uh, you know terminals and <laughs> you know true. having the central sort of computing power and a, a dumb terminal." But you know, I guess the the difference is actually the the devices we have now, you know, are super are super powerful. There's no you know dumbness of about them, but uh, there's still terminals though. So it, to, it's, yeah. the Chromebook is a good example. We have <laughs> yeah. a Chromebook here with the beautiful UX and and everything, and in the background, uh, it's just a bunch of almost pixels driving back and forth. Mm, <laughs> so mm. it's uh, it is it is amusing. Yeah, well, that'd be quite interesting. I've no desire to buy an Xbox, but uh, might be fun to play a game or two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, and we we must have another uh, another chat in an upcoming episode around sort of you know gadgets for uh, you know from that entertainment uh, perspective and uh, you know what what's working. In fact, maybe we'll do that next week because I want to talk a little bit about um, some of Samsung's new. Uh, TVs and and bits and pieces have been having a play around with their uh, um, with their latest and um, they're they're pretty slick I've got to say um, as as most of the these uh, the, the the new tech ten, tends to be but some nice things in there um, now last week I talked about a product called um, called Kiesel and this is a, a little um, uh, portable battery bank and a uh, and a VPN uh, built into it, and so it allows you when you're uh, travelling or you know wherever you are, basically to tap into a, a Wi-Fi signal and then share that Wi-Fi signal with your devices, but to secure your communications by having a um, a VPN from uh, from that little uh, Kiesel gadget uh, back to whatever location, which you know, gives you. A, a level of security, and B, it allows you to maybe hide your actual location. So if you wanted to maybe uh, get some content from you know one country and you're not in that country at the moment. Um, look, I've been in touch with them, waiting for a little bit more feedback, but it seems like they use a third-party provider as far as the, uh, the endpoints for their VPN. So it seemed to work well when I put my VPN endpoint to US, uh, Australia, uh, but when I set it to New Zealand, it went a little bit uh, slow and haywire. So they're they're still investigating that. Um, but that they basically have said that it you know it relates to the fact that they're um, they're buying this VPN service off somebody else, uh, and maybe the New Zealand endpoint actually isn't you know isn't technically in New Zealand. So it could be uh, tromboning or something. There's some, something yeah. odd going on there. So um, have, have they tried it yeah. inside China? Um, I don't. I don't know. Um, and it, has it tried it, taking it over the border into China? <laughs> it's, a, it's a good question. Yeah, be, be a, 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 the the sort of thing that you could imagine border officials might get uh, might get familiar with uh, with with recognising. So, yeah, they're certainly getting a bit uh, a bit harsher on that sort of stuff within uh, within China. Although I think it was New Zealand that was in the media, an uh, in international media, last week for uh, uh, around. Uh, people being sort of forced to give up their uh, credentials to log into their devices mm. at the at the border, which uh, yes, um, not a not a normal sort of occurrence in most parts of the world. But uh, there we go. And, and, and but it's quite distressing. And if you're travelling over the border, um, in in business or even you know just personally, mm. uh, and it's to the point now where I don't feel comfortable and I don't think anyone should really feel comfortable that what's on their device is private and actually I've never felt comfortable with that it's always mm, mm. to me it's always been essentially public domain 
Uh, but the fact that they can take your device off you, take it into a room, and uh, require you to log in, and therefore log you into all of your other things, mm. Um, mm. how long before they say, just give us your password to your password manager? Mm. And we'll keep that, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so They download a copy of it, and away they go. Off they go. Yeah, yeah. they've, they've yeah. completely opened, opened you up, and, and including all your financial um, ability to, 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 to spend your money. The question that I have with that stuff is always, uh, you know, a, a benign state actor, you know, if China wants to look at my stuff, uh, if New Zealand wants to look at my stuff, the US wants to look at my stuff, well, they're already doing it. Um, <laughs> we, let's yeah. not kid ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's fine. To a, um, to a degree. But even then, it's fine. Yeah. It's like there's nothing yeah. really that, you know, I, I could say some horrible thing about a, a country or, and, and that is going to laugh at me. Uh, Hope, it's hopefully. when a rogue person inside one of those organisations is mm. the thing that I'm worried about, to be honest. Mm. Um, mm. So if mm. they have professional standards and abide by them, that's not so bad. But it's it's, it's demonstrated that that's not always the case, even here mm. in New Zealand mm. Mm. Uh, with Kim.com. And uh, and we had we had them overstepping their own internal marks. And uh, and then we have some real problems. And Yeah. And, we, I mean, we see, you know, stories all, you know, all, all around the place, you know, all sorts of parts of the world where we... We hear some, you know, pretty horrible stories of uh, of, of things going on. Yeah, and uh, yeah, if, the, you if know, your government is benign, it's completely fine. But which governments in the world are benign? And you know, by the way, we're essentially amongst the top three and best governments. So the rest of them aren't so good. Hmm. Hmm. Um, not a. Yeah, not a good position to be in. Um, now, uh, last week there was there was a bit of attention around, um, um, I guess the the father of the World Wide Web, web Sir uh, Tim Berners Lee, uh, and uh, he he put a blog post uh, put a put a blog post up on um, on on Medium, and uh, he, he's talking about his. Um, his new business that he started he started an entity um, a, a while back now called solid but this is um, this is a business that would tie into uh, um, solid's model and I don't think we've talked about solid here on the show before so you know a very uh, a very kind of a, a quick um, uh, view on that but basically it's a it's a concept where we move away from having our data store uh, stored with the likes of Google uh, Facebook Twitter maybe Dropbox you know who, whoever uh, and we actually control that ourselves and uh, the idea with uh, with solid I think the term uh, Lance for solid they call them pods where you put your uh, you put your data basically you put your data into uh, into a a pod, and then you would control what app could access that data and and how it uh, how it you used uh, the information. So rather than being uh, looking at those controls that say Facebook gives you or uh, Google gives you, etc., um, you'd be able to manage manage that within this uh, world of of solid now. It all sounds like a you know a, a good idea to sort of you know take the data away and and control it that way, but in terms of the the practicalities, I imagine there'd be some challenges, and all it takes is somebody that's got access to accidentally um, you know cache a copy of your data, and suddenly you've got you know you know data that's floating around in other other places, um, and uh, yeah, I think you made the point before we started the show uh, that. 
in general, uh, I guess, uh, you know, people are actually pretty relaxed around all of the data breaches and, you know, the, the challenges with the way that the, the Facebooks and the likes sort of treat our, our data. Well, as I was reading this, I was, it's sound, going to sound ridiculous, but uh, the IPCC came out with their um, 1.5% paper uh, yesterday or today. And basically, we all know that climate change is a dire threat to us. We all know that we need to do incredible stuff to, to change it, but nobody gives a damn. Um, nobody, uh, not many people understand the science behind it. Hmm. And we all know we should do something about it, and we don't. And this is very similar to this. We all know that uh, handing over the keys to all your data to Facebook and Google and the like has been a really dumb thing to have done um, and not not. Uh, behind them are Axiom and Experian and these kind of really big data consolidators. Uh, and, they, and they are tracking a lot more than any of us really understand, uh, including where we are, what we are doing, what we are buying, uh, where we travel on the internet, uh, the whole works, uh, where we live, uh, you know, all our financial records and so on, all consolidated into one thing, our behaviours, our money, and so on. Um, we know we shouldn't do that, but it's too hard to get a pod and then get all those providers of all the neat things that we like, like Facebook and Google and everything else, to, to actually take our pod rather than to store our data themselves. So I'm sorry, Tim. Um, I'm sorry, Sir Tim. It's not going to happen. It, it really, I'd love it to happen. We really, we all know it should happen, and and we we must do what we can to make it happen. Um, but like climate change, uh, we almost can't afford for it not to happen. We can't afford for climate change not to happen. And same with this. We've got to do something about the power of Facebook and Google and so on. Mm. Um, it's just – it requires the will of governments. That's the answer. So come up with a solution by all means. But, you know, ultimately the governments need to step in and say um, we need uh, to do what the Europeans have done mm. in the rest mm. of the world and more. Yeah. So yeah. – that's a little bit of a rant. I, I don't apologise for it, uh, but uh, it's very frustrating, as we know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now on to uh, on to Microsoft. Now they've had some press, sort of good, good and bad, over the uh, over the, the last few days. Uh, you know, we can probably start with the. Uh, the the bad because it's, it's the most recent thing. So uh, Microsoft's. Um, New iteration of uh, Windows 10, their October update uh, was uh, was due to become available uh, last week, and uh, and it was, and uh, I think they were going to start sort of automatically pushing it out to uh, uh, to people this week. Well, they pulled the plug on that, and and the reason for it uh, being is there's been a, a few glitches. They had some uh, some incompatibility issues, but uh, when I say glitch uh, I'm, I'm talking about something somewhat more severe which is people losing data so people were actually running this upgrade and then afterwards their documents folder locally on their machine suddenly is empty oh my goodness um, so this is pretty catastrophic and and look more than likely it's a very small percentage um, but for a company of Microsoft's sort of scale with the systems that Microsoft have uh, have in place ar- around, uh, you know, in- enabling uh, people to try out, uh, the, you know, their operating systems and software before launch, apparently they already had had feedback around, uh, around this issue, but because it wasn't upvoted enough or whatever the thing was, they did not, recognize that actually yes this is a genuine bug and people would lose uh would lose data so 
uh, a real, real big shocker for uh, for Microsoft here. Probably the only the only sort of saving grace is that they will help people get their data back. And you know, I think if you get hold of them immediately, it's happened. Then you probably you won't lose you won't actually lose any data, uh, or hopefully not. But I mean, we, we'll see over a little bit of time what the what the reality of that is. But I mean, how is that for building people's confidence in uh, Microsoft when you know they're they're blowing away people's data with an upgrade? I had my I had a little issue with Microsoft yesterday and noticed that their support hours were two a.m. to two p.m. New Zealand time. Uh, so I hope this doesn't happen to you in the afternoon either, because you, you, you had a luck. So, wow, what important. was what was yeah. this for? What service uh, were you trying to get hold of? Because they usually have they've got an eight hundred number in New Zealand, which is usually you know sort of normal business hours, but they've got so many different services. There's all sorts of mechanisms, and uh, you know certainly uh, at Gorilla we've we've seen it where they have uh, you know maybe published times, and then you know you try and call them and. Oh no, we're you know we're closed at this time or something, and you've got to jump through a lot of hoops to get after our support. So this was their chat service, and it was relating to my Office three six five subscription, right? Uh, because all of a sudden Excel stopped working, and we we're trying to publish our product disclosure statement, yeah. ship it to the FMA, um, and it does. It's not very helpful when all of a sudden you can't save any of the thirty or forty or so documents that you've got open. Uh, on your on your desktop, and yeah, I save them, but you know they they auto save yeah, too. Um, which good. and then it took me, uh, or well, probably an hour and a half to resolve it. In the end, it was a process that had just frozen. Uh, that was the issue. Yeah, um, but it was it was unbelievable how poor the experience was to navigate through. Yeah, uh, and yeah. to get an answer, and it just goes goes back to why the heck are we paying subscription uh, for uh, software that resides on our computer? Uh, and the answer is, of course. Um, one too many MBAs. So. Well, it seems to uh, seems to work for uh, for shareholders, I guess. Mm, um, indeed. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm looking at these Surface headphones. I've got to say, they're not exactly beautiful. Um, they may well be beautiful to some people, but what's so good about them? Uh, look, I mean, so that you know, they've launched their new uh, you know Sur- Surface Pro product, and they, they which um, you know I guess is, is just the next iteration, um, and look, they've you know received some um, some pretty interesting write ups on that. You know, the headphones are sort of um, part of it. Um, Owen Williams, who we've, we've had on the show here in the past, um, ex Wellington, now based in the Netherlands, wrote a story that um, got picked up and got a lot of uh, attention. I think Microsoft retweeted it, and he was basically talking around how 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 incredible Microsoft's uh, hardware ecosystem now, and that it, that it sort of you know out outdoes Apple. Um, and you know, Owen's gone through from being a Mac guy to becoming a bit of a Windows guy. I think over the last uh, over the last couple of couple of years. Um, the, the the headphones. Look, I, I had a look at them. They you know they they look quite nice. They sort of seem to compete with the Bose and some of the other ones. Um, interestingly, this is one of a, a very small number of uh, products that have Microsoft's Cortana Assistant built in, which. You know, as we know in New Zealand, it's not actually officially available uh, here oh, really? anyway. <laughs> uh, even uh, you know, after after all these years, so um, yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I, you know, I don't know who you know who uses Cortana. I think we're very much in a in a world now where if you're using something like that, uh, you know, you're going to be using Amazon Alexa or, or, or Google Assistant or uh, or Home Siri, mm. um, and and so. 
Yeah, my, I mean, Microsoft just haven't had that sort of, uh, uh, you know, cut, cut through. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, it seems like quite, you know, quite a nice interface. On one side, you you know, you can turn the volume up and down by, you know, actually twisting the, the side of the headphone. Uh, and then you twist the other side, and it adjusts the uh, the noise, the level of noise cancelling, um, which is yeah. I mean, we, we're seeing a bit of iteration on these devices because there is a bit of competition. Not very cheap, I think around three fifty, three sixty uh, US dollars. So yeah, there'll be a few people that that you know pick these up, but you know I don't think Microsoft is sort of in the in the position where they're going to take a you know a massive sort of uh, you know cut of of the market share as as far as these are, uh, these these are concerned. So, but I think the point that they're getting much better at their hardware and it's becoming desirable now, uh, even to people using Macs. And if, if I look at the, the, I'm just giggling at the the Microsoft blog. It's now available in black. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, you know <laughs> gee, where have I seen that before? Uh, and <laughs> Uh, and the, the the Surface Studio too is a is a you know it's a very very fascinating device. Yes, uh, as well yeah. the, the big yes. screen uh, yeah. touch thing and and, um, and the headphones. It feels almost like the the um, Apple AirPod things, where I bought them when they first came out. Yeah, because yeah. I was always going to buy them when they first came out because it was yeah. shiny and had an Apple logo on it. Yeah, uh, yeah. logo on it. And I suspect <laughs> that these headphones will be the same. It's you might be a headphone person, in which case you've already got some expensive pair, perhaps you know mm, as much as you mm. can afford. These are more of a usability thing. That the, the twist things sound quite interesting. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, it's, it's and and you know, look, you know, Microsoft, uh, you know, generally doing pretty well. You know, I think and and uh, you know, when when you when you look at you know how they've managed to compete with uh, you know with with Google. Um, uh, Docs or, or, or G Suite, and you know other areas where you know you wondered where they would land. Over the last few years, they seem to be getting into quite a groove, and certainly, um, you know the the hardware they're producing is is generally very slick. Um, although it's fair to say we've seen some reliability issues with some of that kit, so right. um, it's not you know p- perfect and 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 trouble free. And uh, you know the the amount of time that I managed to spend on their new uh, Surface Go. Look, it looked like a really nice, uh, really nice device. Um, but then I saw some oddities, and maybe those would have been fixed if I'd you know had time to spend with you know uh, firmware updates and you know all of those bits and pieces. But I sort of wanted to have a quick look around the other things that I was doing and I couldn't take my whole world and sort of, you know, put it on to what is essentially sort of an add-on, you know, device in the same way you might, uh, um, you know, you use a, an iPad as an additional device alongside a, you know, a primary tablet. And look, maybe with, with you know, the latest updates and so on, they'll work fine in the education market and those things because, look, the Surface Go is a, is a really, you know, um, cute little product it looks good so light so easy to carry around uh, but sometimes they're just tripping themselves up with those sorts of issues the disappointment and this was sort of mooted before the announcement was that the new uh, surface pro the sort of sixth gen uh, surface pro lacks a usb-c port which they put on all their other pretty much all their other new devices as a usb-c port uh, and and the convenience of that on the Surface Go, and we you know we talked about that here on the show a few weeks ago. I took the Surface Go, plugged it into the USB C cable from my monitor, it charged it, 
put everything up on the screen, meant I was able to hook into the Ethernet cable running into my monitor, wireless keyboard and mouse, uh, and here we are, we've got the new generation, and they, you know, it was obviously, you know, too much of a whatever technical challenge or they didn't want to address it this year uh, and so you're still stuck with having to have a Microsoft Surface Dock and unfortunately the Surface Docks have um, you know had many firmware iterations themselves and uh, you know are still not 100% uh, reliable you know even though they've been launching those since the the very first surfaces so the, the cynic um, me would say there was someone with a um, profit and loss uh, Statement: uh, Who looked after the Surface Dock? Uh, who was very upset at uh, at losing his sales and uh, and did what he could to get rid of the USB C port. May maybe <laughs> we will see. Um, <laughs> we'll never know. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, this um, is shocking. But, isn't yeah, it? I, I would imagine so. next year we 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 will see. Uh, you know that that Microsoft is is a hundred percent on board with yeah. uh, you know with with USB C. Um, I think their their headphones are uh, a USB C uh, charging. If I remember correctly, I mean we are just seeing everything in in that direction, and it's really really good. Um, but uh, never mo- never mind. <laughs> uh, now there there was uh, there was pretty interesting uh, bit of bit of coverage over the, the last few days. It sort of broke via um, uh, Bloomberg and uh, basically highlighting. Um, a, a potential issue that may have happened uh, in terms of microchips being placed into uh, uh, surreptitiously, if that's the right word, um, placed into uh, servers from Amazon, Apple, and a bunch of others. They're pointing the finger at those companies, at Supermicro as a manufacturer of, uh, of these servers, and basically saying, hey, you know, China's have been have been spying through some little rice sized microchip on uh, on these things. But since that's come out we've there's basically been refuted by everybody. Uh, but you know, how how can you know? It's a little bit like trying to get your head around uh, US politics and, and and other things. One person's saying one thing, somebody else is saying the other and you know, you may never actually. We may never actually know the the reality on these things. I guess we can. But well, we we do know some things, right? So we do know. It seems that it is now possible to put a very very small chip inside a PCB, uh, and that may well be done by a bad actor after the fact. It may well be they might swap your PCB. Mm. It may well be done by a bad actor inside the PCB um, uh, uh, company. Uh, and uh, you know that in itself is an interesting process. It may well be done in the uh, in the where you stuff the chips, and uh, in, in that end of the of the whole thing. It may well be uh, somewhere else inside the chassis or something crazy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Who knows? So, so mm-hmm. technically, they're saying yes, this can happen. But what I what I sort of had a giggle at is that you do unit te- you do tests on these boards, right? So when you make a motherboard, uh, you shove it into your tester, and then you run a whole battery of tests. And those tests should pick up this sort of thing. And they have to be pretty damn smart not to be picked up by the, the mm, unit testing mm, devices. Mm, mm. Unless the sample PCBs that you got made for your bit of kit actually included the spy thing as well, in which case you, 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 your tests would fail versus your expectations in the mm, first place. Mm, so there's a lot more of, um, I think, probably I'll go back to the, uh, uh, the, the computer manufacturers and say you, you've got a lot more testing work to do in the future. Uh, which uh, 
you know, which they're already doing and it's just more of it. Uh, and as well, I could imagine that might might start doing the occasional bit of destructive testing mm. uh, to mm. actually rip these things apart to see whether there are any devices inside them. And I imagine the three-letter three agencies around the world are all going to be starting to do a little bit of destructive testing as well to pull their boards apart to see whether they can find anything. Uh, lots of fun times here, everybody. Uh, but... Uh, and, yeah. and if this sort of stuff's inside the microcode of a microprocessor, it's, I mean, it, it's getting harder and harder, right, to, to know, you know, what's going on, um, you know, a little, little firmware update that happens to, you know, flick a change somewhere, and you might you might never know, and it might be, you know, yeah. very, very hard to trigger. So, you know, traditional testing might not be able to uh, find it. And, you know, I was meeting with a, with a company today, and we were, you know, just talking around cybersecurity and, you know, the reality that, you know, just in the same way uh, as, you know, nobody could guarantee that their building couldn't be physically compromised, you know, nobody can guarantee around these cyber security uh, things either and, uh, you know, in a lot of cases. So You've never been able it's, to. Um, it's, just, it's just how it is. Um, yeah, it's just how it, just it is. It keeps getting harder. What you said there was interesting. Though. So one is inside the PCB. Another one is inside the chip itself. So you're mm. changing the chip design or you're inserting a little piece inside <laughs> the chip that they didn't know was there. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty cunning. Uh, and uh, um, you know you got to give them whoever does that you got to give them points. But we've always <laughs> known that the um, the agencies from uh, the big three countries uh, have been able to do this sort of tech, and they've mm. you know generally been several years ahead yeah. of everybody else. And we should expect that it is happening. Mm. Uh, mm. I just always get a giggle by you know, the the uh, fingers being pointed at only one country, whichever the enemy is of the moment. At the moment, it's oh, it's China that's bad. I'm sorry, it's happening out of Russia, <laughs> out of China, out of the United States, and out of France, and out of other countries too, because that's their job. Yeah, right. Their job is to spy on people and, mm. and, and so mm. on. So, yeah, um, th- those that are interested and have a subscription to um, Am- Amazon uh, Prime Video, and uh, I'm not sure what uh, percentage of listeners that would be, and there are other ways to uh, to get it. In fact, there's probably ways to uh, to more legitimately get it uh, in New Zealand. I haven't looked it up, um, but the Snowden uh, movie titled Snowden. I think there's been a couple on Edward Snowden, um, but I I happen to see it on um, on Amazon Prime uh, Video recently uh, with a US subscription. I don't know whether that's covered with a normal New Zealand subscription. It may be well be available through. Um, you know, Sky Neon, or you know, some other some other service locally, but uh, the, the subs theory. the subs the same. It geo um, blocks you. It gives you um, certain content that's yep. that, yeah, that, that's 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 different here. So, um, yeah, full disclosure: a, a normal internet connection may not uh, uh, may not have have that particular content uh, able to be played on your device. So, mm. um, it, de- it, de- it depends on uh, mechanisms that you have in have in place there. So, uh, there we there we are. Um, yeah, so I, I mean that's that's uh, you know probably an, enough on. I mean we've sort of yeah wandered into some interesting uh, territory there, and there's probably a lot more debate we could give. Um, and uh, just a, a little one that I saw um, also Google Slides adding uh, live captions uh, to their uh, presentations, and this is you know basically uh, you know through a microphone in your um, you know for instance in your laptop able to capture what you're saying. And if you're, you know, broadcasting this out to an audience, or you've got an audience uh, who, you know, maybe can't actually hear you, then they can actually see what you're saying coming up, um, you know, on the screen as part of a presentation. Uh, this is very cool stuff. They're 
and and this is kind of where we're seeing now the, uh, the you know the competition between uh, Microsoft and and Google and this uh, you know and their productivity sort of tool sets because uh, Microsoft launched that in PowerPoint about a year ago along with translations. Uh, Google aren't doing this sort of live translation. Um, Piece just yet, uh, but it's you know it's it's good to see that as you know each of the, each of them sort of you know one ups the other, uh, you know they're taking notice and and trying not to be left uh, too far behind. So you know everyone kind of wins out of these situations, don't they? That's amazing, it really is. <laughs> so, yeah, I just just love where we are in technology today, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, another one, uh, just a little uh, uh, local thing. Again, this was one um, that we probably should have covered a couple of weeks ago uh, was just a situation uh, that was going to court uh, around a property owner who had some trees that were supposedly interfering uh, with internet connectivity for another neighbour. and and it was to do with uh, you know I don't think they had sort of ultra fast broadband at this location. Uh, there was probably a rural type location, and so they were you know dealing with a provider who would deliver their internet over Wi-Fi, and uh, trees on one property really needed to be uh, to, to be cut for uh, you know one one particular property owner to be able to get uh, good internet and uh, um, the the judge said hey yeah you need to uh, you need to cut your trees so your neighbor can uh, to get can get some internet access um, not something I would have uh, predicted being a, a situation but uh, that's that's uh, the world we're in at the moment and you know I guess it might be debatable what would be the the fair thing to do yeah, um, it's a. If you think of internet as a human right, it's a good place to start, along with water and food and shelter. Um, then I think the answer is pretty clear. But I'll definitely uh, a, an intriguing case for a judge. Mm, mm, That's for mm, sure. Yeah. Um, now on to um, oh, well, there was one one more that we we should uh, mention is. Um, uh, and just very quickly, because I want to dive in and, and get an update on what's happening in the world of uh, Punakaiki Fund, but uh, Google uh, shutting down uh, Google Plus to uh, to the to the general um, public. Uh, so they've had a um, uh, a little bit of a uh, a breach, I, I believe, of uh, of of sorts, or certainly you know some some issues around uh, you know locking down people's data, and of course. Google Plus. When do we talk about Google Plus these days? We haven't done for uh, for a long time. There was a window of time where they, had, you know, Google Plus had a bit of attention, uh, and I guess irk it before it as uh, as Google's sort of prior uh, go at re- launching a sort of social network. But uh, I, th- I think it's a bit unfair. We use it as punchlines for for bad jokes and good jokes. <laughs> um, I think the first response to the to the news that they're shutting down Google Plus was. Was it was it still open? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the first place. Good point. Yeah. Uh, the second thing that's amusing is that they announced it as part of Project Strobe, uh, which is uh, 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 all about uh, data protection and so on. Uh, and the rest of that is actually pretty good. They're they're saying, oh gee, when we uh, uh, when we grant permissions for apps uh, to use your data, you you actually don't want them to use all of your data all the time. Uh, and when you give uh, Gmail or contacts uh, permissions to use your apps, you uh, you don't want them to use all their data all the time, and and no shit, Sherlock. Yeah. Uh, so they're catching up to where Apple was a few years ago, I guess, um, and that's good. Um, they're slowly getting onto the fact that we care about this stuff, 
fundamentally, of course, uh, the issue is that Google makes money out of data, uh, and so it's not in their best mm-hmm. interest to be too um, uh, discreet, I guess, with your data. Yeah, the, you know, the, if they, the, the, the more they lock it down, and we're obviously you know, st- starting to see you know, pressure, more pressure put on the, 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 uh, the companies that, that hold a lot of our data, uh, and you know, Europe has obviously been a you know a key part of that with the um, general data protection regulation with uh, GDPR. Uh, you know that, that's that's helping change the landscape uh, a little bit because it's uh, you know it's mandated uh, legally. And you know I tend to think we will keep moving in that direction uh, over over time. And yeah, you know, there's been some interesting discussions lately around you know the sort of online advertising that businesses can do and the personalization of ads through varying channels and uh, that you know potentially we're not too you know too far off from uh, uh, all those things that are quite cool from a marketer's perspective being uh, uh, being you know uh, shut down to a degree so well yeah i think i think what we're seeing is that people with more money can opt out of the stuff and people with more tech smarts can opt out of the stuff and once you've opted out, you think, well, I'm okay. But you're, you're not really because most of society hasn't opted out of this stuff and uh, – They've got a lot of data about you. Well, they've got a lot of data about you. <laughs> um, but also that's not a society that we really want to be in either. That's True. not a society that's going to end well for anybody. <laughs> so we've just got to be really careful about this. And uh, uh, and advocacy, I think, doesn't stop with yourself. It's got to extend to your, your family, your friends, your whanau, your um, – uh, your iwi uh, and your uh, society, uh, not not just uh, you, not just you. Yeah, yeah, good good point. Um, so on to on to Punakaiki Fund. What's what has been uh, happening in the in the world of uh, Punakaiki Fund? Obviously, uh, you know people can have a look on uh, on the the Punakaiki Fund website to uh, get a little bit of a handle. There's a you know a list of the the companies that. Uh, uh, within your what, the portfolio companies, what do you call the companies you've invested in? Yeah, companies we've invested in is good. Okay, yeah. uh, <laughs> portfolio companies we've reluctantly had to use because it's just a bit shorter. Um, but you know, they're not our companies. The companies are owned by the founders and the, and and their uh, and their um, co um, co founders and co investors and staff. And we're just along for the ride. So our job is to is to provide some of the uh, money that they require uh, to uh, to accelerate. Uh, as well as uh, any advice and help that they want from us, which ranges from no thanks uh, to uh, can you please do the spreadsheet for me yeah. uh, and, and everything in between. So I'm a director of 11 of them. Uh, we have, we've made 20 investments. Two of them are essentially uh, you know, an exit stage or they've, they've, their assets have been sold and they're just sitting on the shelf. For varying reasons. reasons. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, two or three are kind of in um, uh, either one of them is just – uh, we've written off, and the other two are kind of just, just drifting along. One of which we expect to see some interesting things out of uh, in the shorter term. And the other one take a bit longer. And then there's 15 that we really actively uh, engage with a lot at the moment, uh, and uh, we're pretty excited actually. It's, it's a pre- it's a yeah. pretty good hit rate. I mean, I think it. You know, it's fair to say, Lance, that that you're, uh, you know, you've got a bit of a, a skill for uh, at, at 
figuring out what you know what sort of opportunity companies have, and you can't get it right a hundred percent of the time. But if you look at sort of uh, Silicon Valley and and uh, VC firms or anyone that's watched sort of the Silicon Valley program, actually, uh, you know, you see you see this sort of hit rate that seems to be very very low, and of course it's it's the sort of focus on on um, you know investing in the the firms that are going to be doing you know incredibly well, right? You know, going from um, you know, I don't know the the Ubers and so on of this world, right? Whereas there's um, there are lots of opportunities that are um, that aren't as as um, uh, as likely to make as big a money as that, and uh, you know that that tends to be the sort of focus, right? Isn't on firms that are all going to try and have the the success of of Trade Me or or Zero and so on necessarily, but they've got. Uh, you know, probably much better odds of actually succeeding than um, than some of those bigger bets. Yes, yeah, so there's a few questions and answers <laughs> yeah, on that. Sorry. So, so, Mister, so, uh, am I good at investing? Well, it's not just me; it's Chris, um, and now we've got two others as well. Um, but you know, one is we're lucky to be in New Zealand at this time in this place. This is a great place to invest in, in particular, software as a service, business to business companies, but mm-hmm. also a range of other companies. Which, which has been your focus, hasn't it? Software as a service, Ma- mainly, but not, not but yeah. not all, because we yeah. do want to diversify as well. Mm-hmm. And there's some other golden opportunities. We've got a laser um, tester measuring. A company that does sort of uh, measuring of uh, uh, you know high end laser telco equipment. Mm. Uh, we uh, uh, we so time and place is great. Uh, yes, I've had a, a lot of experience now looking at companies and helping them, um, and I think I'm pretty good at finding out how full the glass is and how to make the glass fuller. And my business partner Chris is pretty good at understanding why the glass is only a quarter full. And uh, and why we shouldn't pay too much for this investment or, or the bad things and and you do need to have both the positive and and the not so positive when you're looking at companies and we make our own decisions independently and we both have to agree uh, before we make an investment uh, so we're getting better we're getting better we've made eighty different commitments now uh, into the twenty companies so we d- we definitely learned as we go and and yes we've made mistakes we haven't been perfect. Almost all of our mistakes have been with the smaller checks, not the bigger ones. So that's been really good. Uh, we, uh, uh, we, so we, the, it's a learning game. It's an experience game. It's a time and place game. What's happening in the states is hilarious. Uh, the valuations are kind of nuts. Let's talk about the comment. Uh, I want to respond to your comment about finding companies that are sort of just the right size, as opposed to being an Uber or or a bust. The Uber. Thing that is a sort of company that can win because you give it hundreds of millions of billions of dollars. Mm. Uh, they're winning because it's yeah, they're doing a land grab. Groupon was another one. Remember them? Mm. So they, mm. they raised a whole bunch of money and they, they had an office in New Zealand. And they bragged about having an office in New Zealand and a bunch of other companies when they did their IPO. But they never really did much real business here versus grab one. Uh, and yeah, this was. I was actually um, just reading the story. I came across the story of the uh, uh, the founder recently. And I can't remember what it, what it was in, but there was uh, you know there was a story, and then you know he was basically you know I was reading about him basically getting you know dumped by the board and yeah. and uh, and so on, right? Because he did it. He 
basically did a ter- terrible, uh, terrible job for uh, you know a good, uh, a good period of his uh, of his time front, for, you know, fronting the business, or, or certainly so it ap- uh, appeared. And I don't know all the, you know, you don't know all the realities of it, but um, uh, you know whether it was him, whether it was you know a, a whole lot of other things about the time and the climate and the the opportunity. But yep. it's it's actually really, really hard to uh, to lead some of uh, you know some of these businesses and the ones that do really well. It seems to be a you know a, a, a sort of almost an impossible sort of combination of things that they've got together to be as successful as, as they as they have been. Right? Yeah. The, the yes really, and no. The really I, big ones. I, th- I mean, it is zero is on the path, right? They're absolutely phenomenal. Um, mm. There's there's no real limit to where they're going if they if they continue. Uh, not having Rod up the top is is going to affect them. Mm. Uh, I think in the longer term, but then the shorter term, it's fine. Uh, uh, Amazon, you know, don't forget, it, it, it was, uh, people were saying it was overpriced and they should make a profit back in 1999. I mean, that company's been around for a while, uh, as has Apple, of course, uh, as has, um, uh, so Uber, Uber's And, a and bit, I, I, yeah. I looked at Amazon, yeah. the, you know, the whole way along and thought, this is crazy money. How does this make any sense? And then a couple of years ago or 18 months ago, I ended up buying some shares at, yeah. you know, some ridiculous valuation and it's doubled since. Yeah, and I, I was buying shares in last century so you know and I, I, I sold them because I had to do things like travel and, and, yeah. and, and, and so on uh, but so New Zealand New Zealand is really good at B2B when the B is small when you, mm. when you, so mm. selling to mm. small medium sized businesses we don't have that mm. many enterprises to sell to maybe about five yeah. uh, we are um, we're really good at being lean and frugal and building uh, great products for relatively uh, low prices mm. um, and and what and we're getting these companies to the stage now. We have a bunch of them where they they're kind of sitting at between two and maybe five, ten, fifteen million dollars revenue, and they really need to be supercharged. They need to put the press the go button and expand throughout the world, expand their product set, and go deeper, faster. As Zero did very well, they just mm. raised more and more money mm. back in the day, and we're not seeing enough of the companies that we have in New Zealand get that sort of cash. So where we've moved, we've increasingly moved. We're saying you need to be at least five hundred thousand dollars revenue um, these days for us to for, for us to really get interested, and preferably a bit more. We want to be writing a million, two million dollar checks. Actually, we really want to be writing five million dollar checks. We just don't have the cash, mm. uh, and so we are going out to raise money uh, starting tomorrow. Uh, we are launching our product disclosure statement. Hope it was meant to be today, but we got rejected because we didn't have the right electronic signatures. Uh, so, uh, welcome to uh, welcome to uh, regulated office. Uh, we um, and we'll take we'll be able to take money from a week from tomorrow as well. So we're pretty excited about that. It's our our retail offer for the year. Uh, it's uh, open for about three four weeks. Uh, closes uh, mid November, uh, and uh, and we. The, the news is that we're going to have a $215 minimum. So that's approachable to that's a, a lot more a, people than a normal. very ex- accessible point, uh, investment level, isn't it? Very accessible. Yeah. It's all all online application um, that doesn't cost us anything more for uh, for folks to come on board. And uh, once you're on board, it's really easy for us to, to, to communicate and so on. So I'm, I'm just getting really excited by helping. I want people to come on board and just, um, you know, get on the journey. That's that's great, um, and I think now um, 
Darcy uh, Ungro, who hosts the uh, New Zealand Everyday Investor, has you coming on an episode shortly. So people that are interested in that side can yep. you know, dive in and, and hear a much more detailed chat around the the aspects of uh, of investing there. I'm certainly looking forward to to hearing that. I mean, we're we're in this time now where technology is making it much you know easier for people to uh, to invest than it you know ever was in in the past i think and uh, so i'll be i'll be curious to, uh, to to hear that yeah one thing i do have to say we are raising money in a retail office so i have to say please read the product disclosure statement before making an investment decision and talk to a financial advisor um, before doing so as well um, that that's something that is a standard retail offer um, that, disclaimer that, yeah um, and the process itself of writing a product disclosure statement is uh, is quite a rigorous one, uh, and you need to fact check everything and so on. But one of the neat things is, is there's a guy, um, uh, Sean um, McGuane, who started a company a couple of years ago called um, uh, I'll come back to the name, okay. but lets you let you log into these things online, uh, forms by ear, and uh, yeah, get, yes. and get these things online and uh, and with, without uh, without having to get signatures on documents mm. and, and uh, fire PDFs back and forth and so on which is what uh, the the ecosystem is actually set up to do it's just appalling mm. Mm. Uh, mm. so uh, all kudos to people who are solving painful problems with that, that require pen and paper um, using technology because we need more of that mm. and that's the mm. sort of thing we like investing in as well to be honest yeah yeah. You know, so. um, because you've you've uh, crowdfunded in the past haven't you uh, in terms of a, a retail um, uh, fund fundraising, yeah. So we did a crowdfunding back in I think it was uh, 2015. Uh, sorry, I got the name wrong. Sean Davis at Forms by Ear. Okay, um, yep. we did we did a crowdfunding round in 2015 uh, through I think it was uh, through Snowball Effect. We got the maximum two million dollars. Mm. Uh, still one of only a handful to have ever done that. Um, and I think one of them has actually failed since that time, so um, we're, we're uh, not going to fail anytime soon. Uh, we, uh, we're really happy because it got us a lot of investors um, and uh, 350 or so. We're now sitting just under 700 mm. uh, investors. We could list tomorrow if we wanted. Uh, we, we did a um, – we've done – this is our fourth retail offer since then. So this is our fourth product disclosure statement. Uh, this is um, – and we've done a, we've done a number of wholesale offers and share issues. I think it's fifteen all up. So, yeah, we've done a lot of fundraising. <laughs> Didn't think I'd start a fund to go fundraising because that's the, the problem we're trying to solve for all the companies. Um, but I guess it's better for them that we do it than they do it. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, what's the what's the sort of combined value of the the fund now? It's it's grown, uh, you know, it's grown pretty substantially over you know over these last few years since uh, when you opened the doors. Yep, it's uh, forty one point six million dollars. Uh, no, forty point six million dollars. So forty one million dollars it rounds to. Uh, we started with one and a half million dollars four and a half years ago. Uh, so, oh, so five years ago, four and a half years ago. So we're ticking along. Mm, mm. Uh, we, uh, our aim is to get to a hundred, and uh, we, uh, you know, we, we will get there. Just a matter of time. We could stop raising money and just wait, mm. uh, but we'd rather raise money and put it back into the companies uh, to help them accelerate. Yeah. Um, 
So um, for those who are maybe involved in you know, some sort of technology startup that is now uh, you know, maybe getting to that point, they've got, uh, they've got money coming through the, the door and they're, they're looking for uh, you know, someone to invest – how do they knock on your door and uh, and and get in touch? What's what does that you know process sort of look like? Oh, it's, I mean, any, pick a method. We've had them all. Yeah, <laughs> so okay. I've made uh, made investment commitments over uh, DMs over Twitter. Um, have uh, been introduced to people in person. Um, cold emails are generally the best uh, way to go. Um, but not saying I've got a great idea. I'd like you to invest. Uh, saying hey, here's my company. Our revenue is uh, over. You know. Uh, at least a few hundred thousand dollars. Uh, we're growing well. Um, here's our niche. Uh, here's our you know. Here's a little bit more, more about us. Uh, but to be honest, at the moment we're focusing in this raise. The first ten million or so will be going back into the companies that we've um, already invested in, uh, because there's some pretty pretty big commitments from uh, two of them in particular, or three of them, that we're uh, we're wanting to meet. Uh, we prefer to meet. Um, and if we can meet those, um, any money above that, we'll be looking elsewhere. Or if someone else takes those investments, then uh, we'll, we'll have some cash to spare as well. So, yeah, we're always looking, uh, but our main focus is on helping uh, helping the core that we have that we're really excited to um, to have found, I guess, and to be part of their journey. Mm. Yeah, well, it's certainly been uh, you know been an interesting sort of you know following some of the journey, and uh, you know I, um, you know I invested somewhere somewhere in that in that period. I think I might have missed for some reason missed an email or missed something around the initial uh, uh, the the first raise, but I jumped jumped in there uh, you know somewhere along the way, and you know it's always interesting uh, you know reading the updates on the on the companies and uh, you know just the, the the growth that you're seeing, and it feels good to be you know investing. Into New Zealand, uh, New Zealand's economy, New Zealand tech startups, rather than you know, it is it is uh, nice to see uh, see returns come from investing in the Amazons and so on of this world. Uh, but it actually feels a lot better to be investing back into into New Zealand and actually growing our businesses and our economy. Totally, so and it's, it's I, really satisfying. And yeah. and look, I think there's um, you know the the, uh, the the opportunity for returns is. Uh, um, you know, it's pretty positive. Of course, you know, there's no guarantees on anything in this world, but uh, it seems to be uh, uh, something well well worth uh, looking at from an investment perspective. Oh, especially when you can start with a very small amount. So yeah, and that, that's yeah. what I love about it. Yeah, um, yeah. T- yeah so there, there's definitely an element of New Zealand rocks. Um, it's great to support the place that you're from. It's great to support um, the people you know, your friends. Um, we're hoping that people inside some of the companies, uh, more people will, from them, will be investing. Uh, and uh, as I said before, time and place. I think that this is a wonderful time and a wonderful place to be investing in um, in this sector. And uh, I can't say anything about future gains, um, but <laughs> uh, we yeah. are strong believers in what we do. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, um, anyone that wants to find out a little bit more, they'll be able to find that out at uh, punakaikifund.co.nz for details of the raise. Right. Yeah. Um, definitely have a listen into New Zealand Every Day. Uh, invest. Uh, uh, I think that interview hasn't hasn't probably happened yet, but that will go into a bit more detail from a from an investment uh, perspective and uh, asking all of the uh, uh, the the silly questions and the difficult questions. I'm I'm sure from uh, from Darcy there. Uh, so that's one to to look out for. Um, how do people track you down if they're wanting to get in touch? Is it Twitter or email or what's the best best way to reach you? 
Yeah, email or Twitter, lance yeah. at lancewigs.com on email and at lancewigs on Twitter are the easiest ways. Um, and uh, you'll like this. Uh, if you can't spell punakaki or you're too lazy to do all that typing, pfund.co.nz also works. Australia doesn't get that, so I use it over there. I don't, I don't tend to use it in New Zealand much. Uh, but, uh, and we'll have all, everything up there uh, tomorrow once we lodge the PDS formally. Yep. Uh, the PDS, the product disclosure statement, will be there for people to read. And, uh, and it sits there for a week, uh, and then after that we can start taking money. So um, hold, hold your $200 and, uh, and get ready. So. Excellent. Thanks. Oh, good stuff. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for coming back on the show, Lance. Great to be here. And uh, anybody else wants to uh, get in touch, you can reach me uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, Paul Spain. Pretty easy to uh, to track down uh, on on those platforms, or you can always ping me a um, a message uh, through paulspain.com. All right. Well, that's it uh, for this week. Thanks everyone for uh, for joining us, and uh, we'll catch you again on the next episode next week. See ya. Cheers. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.